Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, everybody. It is 7.34 a.m. Mountain Time, and that means it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am your host, Nick Kendall, and joined by... A good friend and co-host getting back from Mobile, Alabama and toughing through it today, Scott Kennedy. Scott, it's good to see your face, man. Yeah, yeah, good to be back. You know, I was I was here yesterday, but uh, yeah. I was just in the, just kind of hanging out in the background and doing what I like to do, which is, you know, running video. Like I said, I'm, yeah. I'm a video rat. So um, I got finished logging all of my video yesterday. So I went through, uh, you know, I shot two days of practice and I went through the 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 high end stuff, you know, the skill mm-hmm. players, quarterbacks and stuff. But I went through and went through all the line plays, the seven on sevens and stuff, which can typically mean you watch each play five times. So that takes a little more time. So I've only been putting out about one or two videos a day. Now it should ramp up to like five or six a day until we get through the highlights. And I tell you what, Nick, on second viewing, there were some more guys that stood out um, oh, that, that, yeah. that really caught my eye. That was uh, that was a lot of fun and not just, you know, and sometimes it was the individuals on the offensive line. You know, you can watch a play blow up. We've talked about that before. You know, four guys do their job and one doesn't, and the play's dead. But you got four highlights of guys blocking their guys, you know, five yards deep. Yep. So, you know, there's it, there's games within the game for sure, and that's one of the things that makes football so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it is a team sport for sure. And if you have one guy not executing, it can go very wrong. But that's one thing also that's really interesting to talk about these positions in general, um, I would rather have one God level pass rusher and then a mm-hmm. bunch of nobodies. Um, and I'd rather have five average offensive linemen and, uh, rather than four gods and one terrible one, because uh, yeah. it's about who's attacking and who's on the defense. When I, when I first started covering recruiting, I, I started talking to kids that were doing, you know, play both sides of the ball. I said, which, and I asked one of the kids, I said, which, which do you like better? He says, I like defense. I said, why? He goes, cause I control the play. He goes, I can end it myself. I'm like, all right, I get that. And it's true. It's so hard. And that's why every rule you have seen in the last 50 years has benefited the offense. Because it's hard. It's hard to play offense. It's definitely hard to play offense. I wanted to say good morning to EJ here. EJ, this is going to be incredibly disappointing to you. Did you try any good food in Mobile? I spent, I was there, uh, I got there Monday night and I left Thursday afternoon. I spent $7 on food. I am so not a foodie. I am... Make sure you have enough of it. It's decent for me, and uh, it's easy to get to. So I actually eat protein bars and oatmeal, instant oatmeal, when I'm on the road in hotels. <laughs> I need to get into oatmeal. Uh, it's something that backpacking out here or hiking out here would be great to have because it's a nice warm thing in the morning. And also hiking in the Pacific Northwest, there are just fresh berry trees everywhere. So some fresh uh, huckleberries or blueberries or thimbleberries or salmon berries on top of that oatmeal. Ugh. Want to do it? I'm already romanticizing the summertime. I, I actually I use that trip. I think last year on that trip I lost seven pounds. Oh my gosh! Um, so I use I kind of use that trip as a a reset for the after the post holidays. 
because mm. my birthday's the beginning of January too. So you run through the holidays, birthday cake, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, so I kind of use that trip as a, a chance to reset, almost a cleanse, so to speak. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Oh, let's uh, let's get it cleansing in here. KB82, good morning, fellas. Who are some running backs in the third or fourth round who could start for a team or get significant carries their rookie season? Well, uh, first off, to answer your question, I am very much a believer in the running backs by committee approach. Uh, I think you want to have a bevy of options back there. Uh, keep them fresh. It's not just about in the singular game. It's about uh, the whole season. I mean, the, uh, the season is a marathon. I know it's a cliche to say, but if you have just one back and he's getting... 25 carries a game the first six games, he might not be as effective come December and January. So I believe in the running back by committee approach. So a lot of these guys could get carries because of that. Um, I was really impressed with uh, uh, the Florida running back coming out of the senior Pierce. bowl, Damian Pierce. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, he had one of the highest pro football focus run grades this past season. Florida, for some reason, did not really use him as much as you'd expect. I know they had some kind of quarterback ups and downs there with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. But I was really impressed with Damian Pierce. He's one who could go fourth round, fifth round. Um, also, he's – I really like running back pass blocking, and he's very good at that. Uh, Jerome Ford, also um, impressive, uh, five foot 11, 220, 225 pounds. Um, he actually has transferred out of Alabama and was at Cincinnati this year and was one of their better players. Um, so I like him a lot too. And my favorite running back in this class is Kyron Williams out of Notre Dame. He's only 5'9", he's only 200 pounds, but he is smooth. And you can leave him back there with, I don't want to say you can leave him back there with an unexposed or a unblocked edge rusher, but if you have a free rusher, I feel pretty comfortable with Kyron Williams. That's the type of pass blocker he is. So those guys could definitely, those are three that stand out to me. Well, you mentioned Devonte Price, and one of the things I really liked about him is he had real good bursts, good acceleration, yeah. balance. He's five nine, and then I looked at his measures; he's two hundred and twenty pounds. Thick. He's yeah, thick. I was like, wow. I'm like, okay, I was a little little scat back. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's strong. He's low and strong. And you, you mentioned about pass by. He's got a, a a six foot two reach, so seventy yeah. a seventy four inch wingspan on a five nine frame. But you know, if if he if he catches you in the sternum when you're coming into uh, to to your blitzing and he he catches you in the middle, you'll feel it. He's a strong mm-hmm. kid. I, I I like the movement. I just thought Rashad White from Arizona State was so smooth mm-hmm. uh, the way he moved, and he's over 200 pounds. I think I think Nick, you said he was a former wide receiver, mm-hmm. um, but he's he's so he just glides. He just glides out there. He just looks like an athlete. 
he'll play a little bigger, but he is already at 200 pounds. And then a lot of people like to mention James Cook, too. Uh, I'm not sure how high he's going to go. We'll have to see, but I know in all the mock drafts I do, he's available in the third and fourth round. So keep an eye on him. Uh, Dalvin Cook's little brother at University of Georgia. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's an impressive player as well. Um, one of the more I wanted to get a shout out to who I've really enjoyed watching is Tyler Algier. I believe I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He's BYU running back, five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Um, his pass blocking needs a little bit of work. He's more of a running back than a pass protector right now, but he stands out a lot to me. And Kenneth, you're getting me. You're getting my goat this morning. That's enough running back talk for a month, as far as I'm concerned. Five minutes of running backs. We just mentioned it. it there, there are. There's. You should be able to get good production from a running back spot in the third round. Yeah, in, in the middle rounds, you should. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why, you know, I mentioned uh, Mike Boone. You know, I was shocked at how much he was getting paid. I really was. And I, I think I think they were just paying it forward, really. They're like, okay, in order to get this guy for this season, we're going to have to pay him for two seasons because they paid him like, well, he, he was making as much as RB1s at some places yeah. as a guy who was only getting a few carries. So, um, Yes, you should be able to get plenty of production if you want to get a third. Uh, if you want to get a third back in the draft, that's probably the way to go. Yeah, and the big thing with uh, paying Mike Boone is free agency comes prior to the draft, and there's no guarantee that you're going to get Javante Williams. Right. So you that's need to right. go into the draft being comfortable with Melvin Gordon slash Mike Boone. They definitely yeah, so were. That makes sense because they paid him like he was a two. They did. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Mile High Truth coming in here saying hello, mates. Hello to you, uh, Luke Wright coming in. Luke Wright, never wrong. Love you, buddy. How you doing? Uh, good morning, Nick and Scott. Can't believe it's been six years since we won the Super Bowl. Ah, thank God it feels like yesterday. I'm holding on to that one nice and tight and uh, enjoying it. Scott saying good morning. That's, look at that guy. Um, we got DS Dave's in the house. Morning all. DWI guys, Ethan. Good morning, Jensen Broncos country. Ethan, thank you so much for keeping the lights on for me yesterday as I was chugging along doing the, uh, the show by myself. I still have my vo- voice, and uh, I'm still a little bit shocked that we had that many people watching that long into the show with me, just I went, I went into stream of consciousness. So God bless y'all, man. You are, you guys are great. It's humbling. Um, it is. It's humbling. It really is. Yes. You no, know, thank you. We thank you yeah. for trusting us with your investment of time and in some cases, uh, you know, finances. So uh, it, it is, it's, it's incredibly humbling. We, we can't thank you enough. Yeah. God bless. Normally I'd have to pay you guys to have a captive audience like that. It's incredible. So <laughs> thank you. Uh, Miguel coming in. Good morning, fellas. Uh, besides our glaring needs, or some other skill positions liked and think the Broncos will go after. Um, so other skill positions that the Broncos have potential need. So non, let's just call it non trench play. So non offensive line and defensive line positions that Broncos may go after in this class. Um, the darkest of dark horses, dark horses is wide receiver. Now what Nick, what are you saying? How could you possibly say that they just paid all those guys? You're absolutely correct. It depends on if Nathaniel Hackett believes that he has to have speed at wide receiver in this offense, because I'm going to be honest with you guys. It's, and it's no offense to this player at all, because I, I really love this guy. I really I like the person personality, the skill set. one of my favorite players on the team. Um, but I'm not counting on him for anything next year. KJ Hamler tearing his knee plus some other stuff in the words of uh, Vic Fangio that that it's the plus the other stuff is doing some heavy lifting for me. So that one scares me a bit speed at wide receiver. Uh, the one that I don't think is a, uh, it should be considered a glaring need, but nobody talks about it as such because people are obsessed with either right tackle rightfully. So at this point for the Broncos, I guess, and quarterback definitely rightfully so, but it's defensive back you have, you're losing 
three of your top six snap earners last year in the defensive backfield, uh, safety uh, and two cornerbacks. You need another defensive back in the bleeping AFC West. Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it's a really good building blocks there with Justin Simmons, Ronald Darby, Patrick Sertan. But after that, it's, you know, I, I'm not to disparage my guy, Michael Ojemudia, but like, I think he's probably best as your first guy off the bench um, as a cornerback. So defensive back is way up there for me in the AFC West. Yeah. Not just corner. Like you said, defensive back, you know, I think you could use another safety in there as well. Uh, you, you look pretty good with Caden Stearns and Justin Simmons, but that's Caden Stearns and Justin Simmons. Then what? Yeah. Then 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 how does it go? And uh, I like Caden so, yeah. Stearns. Caden Stearns is fine, right? Sorry to interrupt, but Caden Stearns is fine, but like he's a fifth round pick. Right. He flashed. There's no way you should go into next season and be like, well, I think we liked what we saw from Caden Stearns and spurn another safety that you like more, right? Like yeah, there's, we're, there's we're, not we're enough. Good. No, you should be looking to upgrade that position for yeah. sure. For sure. Uh, Travis coming in, say morning, fellas. Definitely watching one of my favorite shows, no doubt. Well, we appreciate you being here. Good morning, Travis. And then, one of those uh, ones you could, you could read that. horn just a little bit. Uh, Peter comes in. Good morning, Peter. Yeah, good evening, Peter. In Cambodia. That's what one of the interesting things, I think one of the coolest things about this show is how it hits the different time zones so well that we get so many overseas watchers. So welcome mm. to all of you. Um, I haven't practiced enough. I have to read it about Broncos being a state of being or something like that. So uh, but you get my drift here. Another cornerback at nine, possibly. Um, someone asked that last night. I think it was um, Mac or Mags talking about Sauce Gardner. And I've started to see a lot of talk about Sauce from Cincinnati being the cornerback, the first cornerback off the board. Um, mm -hmm. If he's the first cornerback off the board, I don't know that he'll last till nine. Yeah. Uh, a, a cornerback might go off the board just a little bit before that. But yeah, corner at nine. Um, I think Stingley's the wild card here. Stingley could go top five if he checks out healthy. If he goes and tears up his pro day, he may go top five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you could go here uh, for sure, for sure. And I yeah, uh, appreciate the stars, Pete. Yeah. Not, I mean, not an ideal world where you go cornerback top 10 back-to-back -back seasons. Maybe that's a little bit of an overinvestment on the position, but I am as much a believer in team building that building a strength is just a, or drafting to create an identity and a strength is just as viable as drafting to, you know, slap some or slap some spackling over a, a crack, right? That, that kind of thing. So if you're investing in the secondary, you are all in on that secondary. And I don't think that's a bad idea, honestly, in the AFC West, if that's your identity for the next three years as a team, like we are, have the best secondary in football. We can play coverages that nobody else can. Um, we can do exotic things that, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert don't see any other team do because no other team has the combination of cornerback and safety that we have. I think it's a viable path for the Broncos if they love a cornerback at nine. Um, so Gardner's definitely possible. Booth is all over the place. I think he's an athletic freak, so I still am going to put him up there. Trent McDuffie is a possibility, not an athletic freak, but super, super duper solid. Uh, and then Sauce Gardner as well. So the big one, Derek Stingley, everybody thought it was going to be a top five pick. His freshman tape is as good as any quarterback I've seen since. I'm going to go all the way back to Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, his tape when he came out was phenomenal. Um, but Stingley has a foot injury that we're going to need to watch out for. There's a, there's a little bit of smoke about that foot. So we'll see. Uh, Jeff Noyes, $10. Real, real quick, Nick, um, before we move on from the cornerback yeah. discussion, it goes back to the, the debate that you and I have between best available player or filling a need. You know, the, my theory has always been you, the best draft is when you fill a need with the best available player. Where you run into trouble, so we say, well, we really need a defensive lineman here, and you get a guy that is meh. Mm -hmm. You're better off getting 
inc- you're better off going from strength to strength in the defensive backfield than just adding another body to the defensive line. Yep. So uh, I agree with you 100% there, Nick. If you, if you w- would rather have, if you really like the guy at, at corner, at defensive back, you, can, you can't have too many defensive backs, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, and Jeff really saying, true. what is going to need to happen to improve the special teams, prospects, and coach? I mean, yeah, special teams is a lot of teams. And I know that a lot of uh, Vic Fangio and the Broncos caught a little bit of flack last year when Josie Jewell got injured. Um, but a lot of the best teams in the NFL are playing their starters on special teams. And that's a totally different discussion we can have. But Nick Saban does it. Uh, a lot of the best players. We want it's a it's a phase of the game and it's not a throwaway down if you are a throwaway possession. If you let it be special teams can be a weapon. So um, getting drafting athletes. I don't think there's any spot on the football field, maybe besides edge rusher where uh height, weight, speed translates as much as special teams, especially for those gunner spots. So um, invest in athletes, especially day three guys. Like, oh, I don't know exactly what his position is. His technique's not great, but he's a freak athlete. Special teams, buddy. Good luck. Go, go run as fast as you can go hit somebody. Um, so that's the big one. Coaching as well should hopefully improve it. Not that far back. Uh, when we in the wedge days about the scariest thing I remember seeing on a football field where no one was seriously hurt Brandon Jacobs you remember him 240 pounds a 6'2 running back New York Giants mm-hmm. yeah oh he, God. Uh, so he Illinois. played at Auburn along with Cadillac Williams and Ronnie mm-hmm. Brown who both went top five so they had all three of those guys in the backfield well Brandon Jacobs was a wedge buster on special teams at six foot two 240 pounds four four five guy and he busted a wedge at Vanderbilt against, like you like to say, future accountants and CPAs and CEOs, you know, walk-ons that are playing special teams, buster wedge. I thought he killed the guy, just killed him. But again, those guys that I like his upside, Nick, Nick hit it perfectly. I like his upside. He's got all the, the, uh, the athleticism in the world, but he's not ready for down to down special teams and gunners, you know, send them, send them down the field. As far as, you know, what needs to happen, I, I don't coach, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. Why is it so bad? Why is this so hard to fix? I know return men is personnel, you know, yeah. that that's personnel. You, you should be able to find somebody that's got the natural instinct. That one's pretty easy. But why are we, why are we having a punt blocked? Why are we having a field goal blocked? Where's the breakdown here? Besides that, it's so easy that I see they got two guys lined up on this side and you went to the outside and let the inside guy come in. Yes, that's coaching and personnel. So maybe mm-hmm. I do know. To me, and, special teams really in, in field goal and punting is attention to detail. It, it just, it really is. It's focus and attention to detail. So appreciate the question, Jeff, really do. And then we got a bunch of guys rolling in here. Let me hit, we'll hit the DWI guys first since he's right there for me. Ethan, appreciate it. So what's the status of Lauren Landau? Is he on staff as strength and conditioning coach? Let's be honest. It's been a problem ever since he was hired. Uh, as far as I know, he is. Um, he, I don't know. Injuries is such a tough topic because there's it's flipping football, right? Like injuries are going to happen. You're dealing with body types that physiologically probably shouldn't exist. And the amount of speed and torque and pressure that you're going to have on some of these ligaments, muscles, et cetera, is not really what the human body is uh, built up to uh, to handle. So um, it's not a lot of like soft tissue injuries the Broncos have had. It's not like they're having hamstring injuries every other week. And that would be more indicative of the strength and conditioning program um, and issues there. But like the ACLs, the shoulder injuries, I, I consider those to be more categorized as act of God kind of things and bad luck. Um, so again, I'm, I'm not a the strength and pectoral. conditioning. Yeah. Like that's, 
what do you do to prevent that? I just, it's, it's football. Sometimes stuff's going to happen. You want to, there's a reason that you need to look beyond the 22 on the depth chart. Uh, depth matters. You're going to, cause the injuries are going to happen. At, um, at some point, the only, the, the main thing I can think of, again, I, I ran into a, a former, uh, former NFL guys uh, on my son's, the dad's on my son's baseball team. So we talk all the time and we started talking about this because we had a guy come in who changed everything we were doing as far as plyometrics go with the, the stretching and everything. He said, everybody pulled a hamstring, everybody. Okay. Well that cause effect. I see that one, but we get ankles, pectorals, concussions. I don't know about that one. Uh, torn, torn pectorals and, and, and muscles like that, you know, uh, hydration, you know, hydration and nutrition, stretching and flexibility. Is there more to it than that? Mike, uh, Chip Smith, who works, uh, who is one of the best trainers in the world, a friend of mine that uh, works out of here, he'll probably have 30 guys working out with him pre-draft uh, out of out of uh, Metro Atlanta. He has a pool day. Uh, every every Tuesday or Wednesday, the, the guys go to the pool and, and they they swim and they hate it, but it's it's amazing for them. So yeah. there's there's more than one way to do this. And and I don't know, I don't know what the status is on him, uh, Ethan, but uh, appreciate the question. We'll certainly keep an eye on because I know it's a, a subject near and dear to the heart of, uh, of Broncos country. Yeah. So just, I don't know. It's really hard to speak on the injuries um, unless you actually know the specifics of it. And I, while I am in the medical field, I am not a MD. <laughs> so uh, can't speak to it. Lawrence Rivera. I woke up on the right side of the bed. Oh man. Tell me where that's at. Cause I could use that. No, I got my coffee. I'm waking up on the, I'm getting starting to get on the right side of the bed here. I just uh, plunged and poured during the show. So we're, we're, we're kicking good. in now. <laughs> uh, no looking for my keys or phone this morning, and he had lunch for today. Uh, let's get it, Broncos country. Well, thank you so much, Lawrence. We appreciate you. Thank you yesterday for coming in and also keeping me going during the uh, the marathon. <laughs> Peter Middleton coming in. So third choice offensive coordinator, other than knowing the terminology, why does he merit the promotion? Um, well, knowing the terminology is key. Um, it's the, the new wave coaching staff. You know, it's not just teaching the technique. It's every single one of these guys is has specific niches of offensive scheming and game planning that they're going to be responsible for. And also he's going to help implement and teach the scheme throughout all these other coaches as well. So um, I, we're going to see how uh, Outen does uh, his merits overall. Uh, we won't really know until we know, right? That's the thing about judging these coaches, especially the first time ones. Everybody's like, Oh, it's a great hire. Oh, it's a terrible hire. Let's just pump the brakes and give it a year. I mean, who, who knows until we know these guys are going to, there's going to be ups and downs, but Hackett's going to be the main play caller. So I mean, is it a glorified offensive coordinator position? I, who knows? But uh, I'm willing to not get too high, not to get too low, and just let the coaching, the coaches play themselves out. I, and I'm definitely a believer that it's more about the X, Jimmys and Joes than the X's and O's in the end. But I uh, want to see how it plays out. Even if he was the third choice in the offensive coordinator, doesn't mean he won't be the the right guy in the end. Well, and, and let's be honest. Uh, Nick touched on it a little bit. I want to say it a little more succinctly. You got your first choice offensive coordinator. He's your head coach. So why you missed out on a couple guys underneath him is because your first choice offensive coordinator is your head coach. Yep. So they didn't necessarily, they wanted to be in a place where they have more autonomy and, and be more responsibility. Makes sense. That's more of a promotion. Uh, so I'm not going to, this is almost a lateral move to, to work under you when you're going to be doing all of these things. So, um, you know, we mentioned, you know, all the things about, uh, you know, Eric Bieniemy. you know, there's questions about how much of a role does he really have? Mm -hmm. These guys didn't necessarily want those questions where Alton, this is a step up for him. Th this is. And now if you can, 
if you can branch another tree and if I can be the guy that comes the Kevin O'Connell that comes under Sean McVay um, and, and I can see someone else has had success that's come off of that tree, then it, it paves the way a little bit better. So, so we'll see my, 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 my snarky answer to that is you got your first choice guy. Uh, it's, it's Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, but um, you know, I'm not really being snarky to you, Peter. So I appreciate the question. Shane coming in. Uh, so morning, Nick and Scott. Any concerns about the current coaching hires or prospects so far? Yes. Yes, I do have concerns. Uh, there are, there's a line between, you know, we need to get younger and more fresh ideas, and we're out there with a bunch of first timers. Um, I, I think there's a, a, correct me if I'm wrong here, Nick, but it just feels like there's a, a lack of experience on the staff as far as, working with this level of responsibility. I it's definitely a concern. You hope that they bring in somebody with some experience. I'm glad that they are have some holdovers right now as well, but uh I really thought they'd bring in Doug Marone to be the offensive line coach just given how much head coaching experience he has at different levels and different places. Alas, he's not in, so maybe he comes in for a assistant head coaching role or an advisory role, but it is really a young staff and that does make me concerned, but I'm not overly concerned because again, coaches, especially guys who are getting new roles. You don't really know until you know, it's not like it's a college quarterback where I have his tape available and I can kind of translate it. I'm not sitting here watching Nathaniel Hackett call gold's red zone plays and then saying, okay, this is how it's going to correlate to the Broncos. Now as the offensive coordinator. So definitely it's a wait and see approach, but it wouldn't matter who they hired for me. It would have been a wait and see approach uh, with the coaching staff. Um, a quote does stick out to me, though. One of my favorite quotes. I was a Scott. I don't know if you knew this. I was a big uh, orchestra dork growing up. My mom's an orchestra teacher. I never had a chance. Yeah, um, no, I, I had to play. I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm jealous of people with musical ability. I can sing and whistle. That's it. That's my girlfriend it. once in high school sat down and tried to play the piano with me, and she was getting frustrated. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. She's like, I've never seen you bad at anything. I'm like that's because <laughs> we play sports outside. Yeah. This I got none of this. <laughs> So I played uh, orchestra in my conductor in college. I got a scholarship to play in college. Um, he'd always say that uh, old age and treachery always beats out youth and exuberance. So we're going to find out with this Broncos coaching staff, if that's true. <laughs> um, that's a, that one always will stick with me. So thank you so much, Shane. Uh, well, for there was, your, a, um, there was a, um, a comment. It was, I was listening to a pod about soccer, but I thought, you know, this, this kind of goes to football too, especially with the, the money and the finances involved. And they said sometimes they just scrimmage and they'd have uh, an old guys, young guys, you know, maybe everybody over 25 and under 25. So the old guys always beat them. And I'm like, yeah. that's because if you've made it long enough to still be around where you're getting paid a premium as an older guy, because veterans make more money, means you were good. That means you're good. You got to be good to be around that long. Now, you don't just get old and stick around. Most of the guys don't make it that far. The guys that aren't good enough, they don't make it to that age. So yeah. if you've been around, typically, you're pretty good at your job. Now, the subjectivity of uh, of coaching is what makes it so hard. It yeah. really is. And that's why it's such a relationship business. Um, because it is. It's completely subjective. I, I can't look at – you can see results, but, oh, is that the coach? Is that the quarterback? Is that the system? Is that their opponents? There's so many things, so many factors that is completely subjective. So makes it tough. But yeah, yeah, Shane, I do. I, I have a little concerns about the overall experience on the staff. I do. I think that's a, a, a good question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just some, obviously, that's not it's not breaking news today, but a little bit of a roundup of the coaches' uh, updates here for the Broncos. Um, 
Broncos running back coach, Curtis Motkins. It sounds like he is on his way to the Minnesota Vikings to be the running back coach and the run game coordinator there. Uh, the Broncos have retained uh, for his third staff now, which is interesting, uh, Zach Azani to be the wide receivers coach. Um, so that's good. He's done a lot of good with Tim Patrick and uh, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, pretty well-renowned uh, wide receiver coach. Uh, he had an interview set up to take the wide receiver position for the Atlanta Falcons. And Nathaniel Hackett stepped in and said, nope, we want to keep you here. And uh, kept Zach Azani in-house for the Broncos. Um, not unfortunately, but something that was Somewhat expected a longtime defensive line coach, Bill Kolar, who has been considered one of the better uh, defensive line coaches in football. If you have kids, don't get within earshot of him because you're, they're going to learn some new words. Uh, but he has become he's been going to become a defensive advisor for the Broncos. So they do have a defensive line position uh, opening up. Uh, Red Herring, longtime off ball linebacker coach, is on the move. Um, he's going elsewhere. He's been uh, been told he's being let go. And the Broncos are, though, returning Christian Page. Uh, who's the defensive back coach, very much thought of as an up-and-coming player or up-and-coming coach in the league, uh, somebody who maybe has defensive coordinator on the near horizon for them. And that screams to me also that this uh, too high match quarters heavy defense is probably still going to be the basis, the backbone of the defense in um, 2022. But we'll see, because uh, it'll really depend on the defensive coordinator hire. But if you're returning Christian Page and how many of these new defensive coordinators are Defensive backs coaches originally uh, translating from DB coach to uh, defense coordinator makes me think that Broncos are still going to be living in the too high match quarters world early on. So sorry to get you right as you're, oh, you're, you're muted, Scott. Yes, I am. I was uh, I was finishing the pour of my coffee. Didn't want uh, anybody have to run out and go to the bathroom after they heard that pouring sound. So Travis says, I'm hoping for Trevor Penning at nine and either we trade back into the first round or early in the second, take one of the quarterbacks, hopefully Malik Willis. Got to flip that. If that's going to happen, you got to flip that. Malik Willis is going to go top 15. Uh, I have no doubt about it. No uh, doubt. You know what? I, barring a horrible, terrible off-field incident, because the world happens and these are young men, then uh, big positions where sometimes they make mistakes. People forget Dak Prescott got pulled over and arrested for marijuana. Uh, like I think it was it was St. Patrick's Day weekend, because I remember getting the buzz on my phone when I was out having a good time. Getting the uh, buzz. I see what you did uh, there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, I think I, th I would be absolutely shocked if Malik Willis didn't go top 15 because there's enough desperate teams and the traits and the tools. He's the guy that I would swing on. Um, so I, I don't disagree with you. Also, Trevor, Trevor Penning at nine, little rich for me. It's a little rich for me for him. Um, he seems like a back end of the first round guy. I think in most classes, he'd probably be an early day two kind of guy. But this class is a little bit weaker at the top. So yeah, I could see him getting himself pushed up. Uh, if you're hoping for an offensive tackle there at nine, you're hoping for Ike McQuanu or Evan Neal. Don't think those guys would be there at nine. Maybe then you talk yourself into Charles Cross. Uh, I thought it was Cecil Lamy uh, on Twitter last week said that Broncos should be looking at for an outside zone tackle that might be able to switch over to left tackle in a couple seasons. Uh, Charles Cross, left tackle, run blocking needs a lot of work, but the pass protection, the length, movement skills is great. Um, not an explosive athlete, but a smooth, smooth athlete for pass protection. So he's one that makes sense tonight. I don't love it, but I don't know. I don't, I really don't love Trevor Penning at nine. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't love Malik Willis at nine. Um, the, the fun thing about, you know, takes like that is he could make me look like a complete moron. He absolutely yeah. could. And I, I hope he does. I, I hope he does. Yep. I hope he becomes the guy that people are like, wait a minute. How did you pass on this guy? Um, 
you're trying to come up with comps and stuff. And I don't know, for some reason, Achilles Smith, that's going to be before your time. Ooh, no, no, I just, remember three overall. <laughs> yeah, just popped into my brain um, as far as, you know, the 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 athleticism, the arm talent, the tools, but the rawness. And it never really came about. And, you know, in a couple of years, we might be saying the same thing about Zach Wilson. You know, mm. I was in love with Zach Wilson's arm last year. But, uh, you know, the, the 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 competition level, the the raw factor. Um, you know, could that be a comp for him? Uh, mm-hmm. I think Zach Wilson probably has a little better arm overall than Malik, but it's it's close. Um, so we so we'll see, we'll see. Trevor Penning at nine. Uh, I like the fact that we're talking about it. It feels like we're talking about twenty guys in the top ten these days instead of five. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I like the fact that this class seems to be getting deeper and deeper as we move forward. Now we'll see what the pro days and the combine have to say about that too. You know, does Chad Muma come out and run a four, four, five. Okay. Well, all of a sudden we're talking about him in the top 15 again. Yeah. Um, you know, so does, does Jermaine Johnson go out and run a four, nine. Okay. Well, he just dropped out of the first round. Yeah. Uh, so, so we will see. I, I like Trevor Penning for sure. I really do. Uh, yeah. Good morning. Clayton said, I uh, had to stop in this morning, have things to do. So if you're listening after the fact, good morning, appreciate you being here. And uh, let me come down a little bit to uh, our, our man, Mark Schrader, came in with some some big stars and a question, Mark but Mark. I was stuck, stuck up at the top of the chat. There he is. says, good morning, guys. Nick, great job yesterday, and thanks, Scott, for all the work at the Senior Bowl. Just getting started, Mark. Um, that's and, and thank you for the reminder, because, you know, the quarterback, Nick, and I said this before, and it kind of caught you off guard. I kind of like Desmond Ritter in the third round. Is there yeah. any chance that he lasts that long? Because as I'm watching this video, I'm thinking, okay, his flash plays aren't Malik Willis. No. His trash plays aren't Malik Willis either. No. So I just came up with that flash and trash. Flash plays, trash plays. Hashtag no. skinnity. <laughs> um, so he's steady. Well, that's what you're looking for in a third round guy. You know, he no. doesn't have that huge arm. I mean, it's not that much different than what we saw to Mac Jones last year. Mac Jones doesn't have a huge arm. Desmond Ritter's got good mobility, good size, uh, good enough arm, nice accuracy, and he's steady. Mm-hmm. Okay, third round, I can get on board with that. I think he will probably go in the top of the second round um mm-hmm. first 10 picks in the second round personally that seems about his range i if i was a team that had a quarterback that's going to be starting for me for the next two years i would absolutely love desmond ritter because i love him as like a potential like a lottery ticket essentially that's like a matt doing. ryan type yes exactly mm-hmm. um but then you have a quarterback that can come in he people rave about his work ethic and intelligence. I think he actually had people talk about Kenny Pickett being the best processor. I think they put way more on Desmond Ritter's plate uh, from a processing perspective, going through reads. You see uh, Ritter get to the backside of his read more often than any other quarterback on this class, which full, full for full real uh, full field reads um, from the college level. You don't see that all the time. Uh, he's just a little bit erratic with his accuracy. And that just drives me insane. Uh, the ball can sail on him a little bit. He'll like, he'll have 10 throws. Eight of them are good. Um, one of them is outside the catch radius and one of them is just way over the head and it doesn't look like it's a mechanical thing. I don't, I can't really pinpoint what it is. Yeah. He was, he was 64.9% on 8.6 yards per attempt. That's not great. No, that's not great. And is that Um, all year? Is that at the senior? That was last year. Okay. I was going to say it because I'm putting a little bit of a 
asterisks on that because the weather was really bad in one of those days. So that might change yeah. it a bit. Uh, but I mean, like 2019 was 55%, uh, 18 and nine, you know, yep. um, as far as his, his touchdowns, interceptions, yep. 30 and eight was pretty good. Yep. But um, again, I got asked this a question and, uh, and James came onto my page this morning. I saw James uh, Hyatt in the chat this morning. Good morning. Appreciate the comments. Um, you know, asking me if I had seen Bailey Zappi, you know, have you watched him? Cause uh, I was like, no, my, I'm purely talking about senior bowl. The problem with Bailey Zappi is though, if I'm watching at senior bowl, I probably didn't really want to go watch more. That's, that's where it was. We talk about the enough factor. Okay. He's got the size. He's got the arm. He's got the tools. Now what's next? I didn't see the size. I didn't see the arm. I'm moving on. Yep. Um, now that might be a mistake on my part, but that's where I am with Bailey Zappi. I'm like, he's, I don't know that he's got the enough factor to even warrant moving down line. Now, when you throw for 6,000 yards and 60 touchdowns, you're going to give it a second and third look because, mm -hmm. all right, maybe it was a bad day. I don't know. Let's look farther because his production was so off the charts. But Ritter's got all of those enough factors for me that I think he could be really interesting as a lower risk, uh, higher reward type of guy. That has some of the uh, the intangibles. Appreciate the question, the, the the talk, Mark. Get us a little bit back into Senior Bowl like that. Yeah, uh, Lawrence popping back in with the, uh, the when we were talking about Bienemy says I want Bienemy in two years. Bienemy might be better off, you know, divorcing Andy Reid and saying I'm going to go be an, an offensive coordinator for someone else. You know, someone who's a defensive coach. You know, go be go be his legitimate offensive coordinator where there's no questions. Because again, I've got the questions. We were talking about bona fides, and it's so important that we have a guy that knows how to develop a quarterback. He's not the quarterback coach. Yeah, so well, the quarterback coach is gone. They, I, it's crazy. Help. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see with the enemy. There is some talk off, off field, but again, um, I think it was Free Earth Citizen in here was saying, you know, don't don't replicate stories that aren't verified. So I, I that's a good point. Yeah. Um, I, I want to go with whispers. what I know. And, yeah. and what I know is he's not the quarterback's coach and he's got the reputation yeah. of being, you know, a sort of a clipboard holder for Andy Reed. Okay. Well that may or may not be true, but what is true is he's not coaching. Well, look what he's done with Patrick Mahomes. What? Yeah. What? Because he, he doesn't coach Patrick Mahomes. He calls plays for him. Maybe. And we're not even sure about that. So, I think it would do the enemy a, a world of good to go and be a play caller offensive coordinator and consider that a promotion. Mm -hmm. But you know what? What are your goals? You know, if I could make a million dollars a year coaching, you know, calling plays or, you know, being an offensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs, that's a pretty darn good job. Yeah. Let's yes. let's not pretend it's not. I've seen guys that didn't leave major universities when they didn't win the starting position because you know what being the backup quarterback for four years at the university of georgia is not a bad gig no not at all not at all um so let's keep at it here um i saw some questions earlier talking about um heard that kenny pickett was the best processor and uh <laughs> anticipatory thrower in the class that might be true i i will say though that based on this last year's tape um i might go with uh as far as pure accuracy, I think Matt Corral can put it where he wants more consistently to an actual spot on a target than Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's a good throw, and I maybe maybe you have there with the anticipatory throw, but I think Matt Corral, if you're doing like that skills competition with the the, the buckets 
down the field. I think he's probably the most pinpoint accurate. Um, the other thing about Kenny Pickett is you didn't really start to see the, uh, the accuracy and processing until to this level, until this season. He's 24 years old this year. Uh, he's 20, 23 years old this year, much older than the other quarterbacks. And yeah. he didn't have it before. So imagine like you could see it, it would be two more seasons, three more seasons until Sam Howell got to the same age as Kenny Pickett. What would he look like then as far as processing tools, go, knowing the offense? Because typically you see a quarterback make a jump from like their freshman, 18, 19 years old. And you see another one around 20, 22, 23. Then a lot of times another one, 25, 26. Those are the historical bumps for the quarterback play. Um, Kenny Pickett arguably has already had his second bump. So he doesn't have very much to go where Sam Howell, he might have two more kind of bumps um, in growth there. So uh, he's definitely up there. He's a safe player. I think he's a great scheme fit for the Broncos. I like Kenny Pickett. I don't want to take him in the top 10. It's kind of a bit at this point, just, just for the fun of it. Um, but I don't think he's a top 10 pick. I wouldn't bet on those tools for him. Um, but as far as pure accuracy, I honestly think it's probably Corral. So, and Colt Moore on a, on a callback here talking about the experiences, you know, does it concern me a little bit, the, the staff hires? And I said, yeah, it does. It concerns me a little bit that, that there's a lack of experience uh, on this staff. And, and Colton says the last staff had lifetimes of experience and they were crap. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a balance there. You know, yeah. did you, did you tilt too far back? You know, I, I like a nice balance. Um, and right now, and I think a guy like Doug Marone, um, you know, for, forget, he, Doug Marone's a hell of an offensive line coach, period. I mean, he rose through the ranks to become a head coach as an offensive line coach. Yep. You, you got to be pretty good. And he's a, a great person. I thought that would have been someone that really could help this staff. Maybe, maybe there's uh, other issues. I don't know, but would I like to see a little more experience blended in to balance all of the new young blood? Yeah, probably I would, but Hey, that doesn't mean there it's going to be a problem. This is just speculation at this point. Not saying I'm right, that's for sure. Just letting you know what I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, will be interesting to see how it plays out. I'm um, interested to watch all these quarterbacks continue to play out. I I really don't want one at nine. And it's not just the merits of taking one at nine overall. It is because historically, if you invest in a quarterback in the top 10, that guy is getting three years. And I am scared to death. <laughs> to be in the situation that the giants are in right now. Uh, giants probably should have taken a quarterback last year. The dolphins probably should have taken a quarterback last year. Honest to God. I don't think Tua has it. I don't think Daniel Jones has it to the extent where you're winning super bowls with him. And if I'm vesting a top 10 pick at the quarterback, that probably means multiple years. I just, I can't imagine investing multiple years in these guys. Like if we're going to do it in dating terms, all these quarterbacks, I'd be interested in speed dating, you know, maybe a, a one and done kind of date thing. I'm not looking to, get with these guys during cuffing season and spend the whole winter with what's them. the app no, not that? at all are you a you're you're a t you're a quarterback tender yeah there we you're go you're not I'm looking swiping. to tender a quarterback you're looking to tender a quarterback yep <laughs> and uh that's that's honestly not a bad uh, example because uh very superficial off the surface you know when you're swiping left or swiping left on those profiles but uh that's the traits man you can see right away hey does she I, got I the missed traits. all that I, I met my wife in 97 and was married in 2000 i, I missed all that i had to do it the old-fashioned way you know alcohol I, uh, not to show you how long I've been together with my wife, but I missed it too. Um, because <laughs> we started dating the end of my junior year of high school. So I did end up marrying my high school sweetheart and we've been together over half my life. So, uh, 
She's brilliant, and I love her. So let's keep it going. Oh, uh, that was seconds. Andrew. Andrew, appreciate the stars. Yeah, so you, uh, forgot, I showed him them. Forgot to say hi, Andrew. Appreciate you being here and thank the stars. And Duke Plebs yeah. comes in and says Willis threw for 15 yards in the Senior Bowl, draft him number one. So I, I actually had a comment similar to that, DP, uh, under one of uh, the Falcons. Someone said that you know Malik Willis could make the Falcons' offensive line, bad offensive line, irrelevant. I said, unfortunately, he also made the receivers irrelevant. Yeah, he had a nice scramble on a fourth down play basically where the the rules I don't know if you watched the senior bowl and the rules but if you saw this play where we had this mad scramble they were playing every quarter as if it was a half mm -hmm. so they went to a two-minute warning at the end of each quarter and it, as the quarter expired there was a change of possession so with three seconds left at the 50-yard line and at the end of the first quarter that was basically the end of the half so yep. a 45-yard scramble to get rid of time when you get tackled on the five does you no good yep. it's a nice highlight but it doesn't do you any good so I kind of agree with you on this. You know, he, he might have made the offensive line irrelevant, but he made his receivers irrelevant too. And, and rushing for 60 yards and passing for 11, because that's all he had to begin with in the first quarter was 11 yards passing. That's, that's a little bit of concern. And, and that's it. People fall in love with the tools, you know, liken it to, to baseball. You know, you go in and you watch a baseball tryout. And a kid comes in there and he starts hitting 97, 98 in the gun. People start, their eyeballs start popping. But can he pitch? Can he pitch? Can he play quarterback? Can he do it? I think <clears throat> there's a learning curve in there that teams that draft in the top 10 don't necessarily want to wait. Good on San Francisco for spending all of that capital and having the cojones to not play Trey Lance right away when he probably wasn't ready and you had a good, another good option. So, um, you know, if Willis goes that high, he's probably going to a bad team. And he's going to have a bad year because he's not as good as Justin Fields was by any stretch of the imagination. No, Chicago wasn't a good team. And Justin Fields was getting shillelagued as a bust this, bust that. He's not as good as Justin Fields. Yeah. He's, I don't think he's really even that close. Not and uh, he, he could use, he's, he's going to need some time. Uh, that's a good comment, dude. Yeah. Thank you very much for the comment. Uh, for me, it is, you got to trust your coaches. Um, and I apologize to... for triggering the Cincinnati fan. Uh, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for, for me though you got to trust your coaches to bring out the best of these guys um and what can and cannot be coached footwork intelligence mechanics all stuff that can be approved upon as long as that quarterback has that inherent intelligence work ethic competitiveness uh to be great you know they have to be that psycho level competitor like john elway um where he lost one game on his pool table and sold that pool table and got a new one because of the bad juju they hated to lose that much um, you can't have a quarterback who loses the starting gig and then reportedly uh, kind of packs it in and zones out the rest of the season. Um, that's you want them to double down and be like, you know what? F you. I am great. I'm going to go prove it. Um, that's the kind of attitude you want from the quarterback. So what or, inherently or, can or and can't frankly, request a trade? Yeah. You know, request a trade. And maybe maybe that happened. I don't know. But, no. you know, and that that's what I say coming in this year. Well, you know, one of the, the concerns about. All the talk about, you know, Drew Locke and Hackett, they could hit it off great. All this stuff. Drew Locke's got one year on his contract. That's the part that never gets mentioned. He's only got one year left. I mean, can you can you option him the way you can a first rounder? Is that for sure? Or is he a free agent at the end of this year, period? Yeah, he's probably a free agent, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, you never know. Um, you can have a good process and, you know, based on the data and past precedents and something crazy will happen. Um, but it'll be interesting back to the 
Uh, Malik Willis point though, something in just in general with the NFL today that I wanted to get to is that I don't think I wish we had, and QBR captures this, but I wish we could change the discussion with the quarterback position where we are including the rushing yards um, and their impact in the run game on the analysis. Because if you have a quarterback who is struggling with the processing and maybe not hitting the underneath throws as consistently as you'd hope, but they're getting, you know, 10, six to 10 yard runs every single game. um, That's essentially an extension of the quick pass game. Um, And it might even be more schematically difficult for the other team to handle than the quick pass game. You know, one way I might do it, Nick is consider if, if you get a, if you rush for a first down, you know, if you convert a, a third down or something like that, put that on your passing yards, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, put that somehow factor that. And I, I agree, you know, I mean, we're watching Patrick Mahomes against the bills and, you know, he's pulling his Adini act in that, in that first game. It's like, how frustrating is it? And, and eventually the defensive linemen just say, you know, no Moss, you know, they're, they're not, I'm not chasing this guy full board just to have him run 12 yards for a first down every freaking time. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Cause, but the other concern, though, is guys that have had that in their locker for most of their careers are too quick to go to it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, for sure. And it's, man, I opened Locks Box. Sorry, guys. Um, I asked around and I got it verified from two other people in the Broncos organization. So I'll leave it at that. Um, Peter Middleton coming in. What's all this Murray and Cardinals business all about? We'll wait and see on that one. I think it's just, you know, off-season nonsense. If Kyler Murray becomes available, yes, you definitely should be taking a swing on him. But uh, he is – I doubt he's available. So, is what it is. Um, He'd be well, a lot of fun he, to grab. He scrubbed all his social media accounts of Cardinal stuff and caused an uproar. Yeah. And, you know, I like to give Zach Heck about it because he, he likes to make fun of Teddy Bridgewater for not being on social media. I'm like, he's ahead of the game for yeah. not being on social media. Are you kidding? This is ridiculous. I applaud anybody, any of these guys that aren't on social media and three quarters of them, they're being run by somebody else anyway. Yep. So, you know, this is to me, it's either, I think the, the, the gentleman said it last night, Zach and Chad, it's, it either means everything or it means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> we just have to wait and see, but he, he did. He took all references to the Cardinals off his Twitter page, maybe his Instagram too. I don't know. Yep. Wow. I mean, that's, that's big news these days. Yeah. Um, for sure. And uh, James Hyatt come in and saying, would Murray even be a fit for Hackett's offense? This is a good question because uh, Hackett yes. and the West Coast scheme, you think so? Because there's a lot of he can throw. Field. The question is, can he throw? He can throw and he can run. If you can run and throw, you can play in any offense. My big thing here is that there's a lot of midfield passing concepts. And if you look for a heat map of Kyler Murray, he does not hit work the middle of the field because, and it might be because of his height. Maybe that's some of it's the air raid. Might, some of it might be the height too, um, throwing behind the offensive line. So that does concern me a bit because that West Coast offense does work the middle of the field a lot. So either way though, Kyler Murray is talented enough that guess what? You figure out something else to get the ball moving because he's explosive. Um, Lawrence Rivera coming in. What do you guys think about Alexander Johnson? I think that's his name. <laughs> he's the linebacker that stepped up hard and we groomed him. Let's keep the talent. Uh, it would be interesting to keep Alexander Johnson. He's been very talented. I'm curious to see what his market's going to be like. Uh, he is six foot four, 245 pounds ish. Uh, would be interested in to see him in a Patriot style of defense where he's more of an a gap blitzer on run or on pass downs. And then more of a filler on those rundowns. Uh, I think he's going to get an okay contract because he's had, he had two pretty good years and uh, a lot of teams are looking for those linebackers who aren't absolutely dreadful in the past game and because he has size and length you can use him there what an endorsement 
He didn't yeah. suck. We need well, to I'm, pay this guy. If Blake Martinez can get a massive contract and Nick Kwiaskowski or whatever for the Raiders can get a contract, Alexander Johnson will get paid. Um, and there's no matchup in football that is worse in the pass game than a linebacker versus anybody in the pass game. Um, right, so what's, what's getting paid to you? Let me look him up. Cause he was at, oh yeah, he wasn't paid that much. He was at uh three, four, 3.4 last year. He so was what's still getting on paid to you mean probably close to f- 7 million a year. You think he can um, double his money on the open market being I, well, he, this was his first contract for Denver too, because he didn't come into the league until he was 26, 27 years yeah, old. He'll be, uh, he just turned 30. And you think he can double his money? I think that's I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but we will see. We'll see yeah, we'll, for sure. Um, um, again, if Blake Martinez can get paid that big of money, I mean that's a bad contract, no doubt. But mm-hmm. I just think Alexander Johnson wears more hats and uh, is actually one of the guys who, if you want six guys in the box to stop the run, so you can play too high, you can live with Alexander Johnson because he is going to help you stop the run um, from tackle to tackle. So. Um, yeah, I, I I like uh I like Josie Jewell coming back a little bit. If I'm gonna pick yeah. one of the other, I, I like Josie Jewell coming back just for uh but he was playing better for one thing. That's probably the the main thing. Uh Roy coming in with a, a nice question. I like this, and we're, we're gonna keep you got five seconds on this one on Nick. Uh I'm gonna answer first. So and I want to see Christian Watson, the wide receiver from North Dakota. North Dakota um, State. North Dakota State. Okay. Um I, I'd say Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa, you know, but that feels like cheating these days. Um, he's not exactly a dark horse, but keep an eye on Christian Watson, six foot four. If he's running anywhere under four, six, five at that size with that ball skill, he's a take. He's, he's going to be real interesting. Yeah. For me, I'm going to go way deep in the well here. Um, Eric Johnson from Missouri state. He was a loved him dibs dibs. Sorry. I mean, I don't know what the Broncos are going to do. Um, but Eric Johnson from, uh, Missouri State. He is six foot four, 305, 310 pounds. That's off the top of my head. He had, I think, 34 inch arm length. And uh, he was playing five technique and he was reducing down to three technique and he was whipping dudes. Um, he'd whip dudes at the Shrine Bowl. And then he's one of the few who had his type of body type and skill set at the Senior Bowl, where if you're looking for an odd front, some versatility, I think Aaron Johnson is one of those dudes. I also, for some reason, this sticks in my head and I won't forget this one. I think his Twitter name is. The creature? How great is that? I love that. Um, so Eric Johnson is one to keep an eye on. I think he's pretty fun. I'm, I'm going to go one more just to just to cheat, and and I I really did. I like Troy Anderson, the uh, linebacker from. Did I get that right? That the name right? I just remember he was in the 40s and he was Montana, Montana State, State linebacker. Yes. Uh, Troy Anderson. Yeah, number 45 played on the national team, six three two forty two, and 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 moved around really well. Claude coming with some stars. We appreciate you, my friend. Let me scroll down. I'm, I'm at. I need to go back to 10.07, but you know where I'm going to go? I'm going to go down here because red flashed in front of me like a bull. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, so that one shows up for the, t- for the TFARF fund. For those of you who are just joining us or don't remember what TFARF is, trade for Aaron Rodgers fund. But food for thought this morning, Raiders get rid of Rich Basasia for Tom McMahon. Wow, thank you, Hoodie. Um, What were the options for Bisaccia. I mean, it seems like he ended up making a lateral move considering he wasn't the head coach, but does, does he not have the qualifications? I kind of say that about myself sometimes. It's like, yeah. you know, the, the jack of all trades, I know a little bit of everything. I'm either qualified to run the place or, you know, mop the floors. There's really no in between. Um, yeah. So, know. you know, how, how does he not come out of this with the, the job that he did with the Raiders 
with a promotion. I mean, at, at worst. I'm hoping that he got a good pay bump. Um, we don't see that one, but maybe there is some money there. He did. He just got hired by a uh, staff. I don't remember which team he but got. It was on. as a special teams coordinator. Yeah, I'm just hoping there's so a big money. It was like the Patriots bump. or somebody. I mean, it was. I don't remember. Someone in the chat helped help Nick out. I'm I'm still uh, in a, in a different spot on Asaki, the chat. I won't yeah. see it till later. But uh, yes, uh, I, that I'm okay with him not getting the head coaching job. You see that happen all the time, especially in college, where they rally around an underqualified interim head coach that the players love that happens all the time. And then they go and hire the guy mm. that they wanted might not have been Josh McDaniels. Oh, that's what I was, I was going to say Packers. also, Nick, um, the joke I wanted to use, it was, you know, there was a rumor floating around that, that, uh, that Derek Carr would ask for his release or whatnot of this. And, you know, Oh, is Josh McDaniels going to tank another, you know, trade away and, and double down on the same mistake. I'm like, well, maybe Derek, doesn't want to play for McDaniels. <laughs> Did you ever think of that? Maybe he's like, uh-uh, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely possible. And uh, Bisaccia uh, was hired on by the Packers, a team that actually yeah, I had knew worse. It was a, a, a blue blood. I knew it was a yeah. power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you so much, Ethan. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm glad that the Raiders brought him on. We'll see what happens. I mean, Tom McMahon, uh, it sounds like the best trait. This is maybe underselling him a bit, but one of the best traits he had is that he would fall on the sword for anybody who asked him to on that coaching staff. So um, he was a fall guy for the Broncos pretty consistently, rightfully so at some points. Um, so maybe he can be that for Josh McDaniels too. And that's what they're looking for there. Somebody to take some heat off of uh, McDaniels. Who's definitely going to have some heat on him quickly. Um, real quick before jelly, one more small school guy who comes out of the senior bowl with <laughs> massive hype. You, you, Ma you've tapped a nerve. Now we love these guys. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, this one, um, Tyreek Woolen, uh, six foot three, 33 inch arm length for the cornerback position. Absolutely insane. Uh, I think he was measured as the fastest straight line player at the senior bowl as well. And, uh, look for him end of the first round. Uh, I think that he's got a chance to go down there. Um, he's a little bit stiff, but he's six foot three with long arms. You know, you're not asking him to play off coverage. You want him to be zone and getting physical with some of these guys at the line of scrimmage with his arm length. So uh, keep an eye out for uh, Tariq Woolen. He transferred his UTSA university of Texas, San Antonio. And uh, he went from wide receiver to cornerback and has grown a lot over these last few years. So uh, watch for him when he gets, when he doesn't win the press, he can give up some space because he to higher center of gravity, but man, he's, he's unique. He is a unique body type. And if there's anything I've learned over the last few years in the NFL, it's that, guys who look like football players are like different types of players tend to translate to the NFL, right? It's the first yeah, half of the look test, you it's, know, and, and really y'all have heard me talk about Ben Jones, the center that came out of uh, Alabama played for the university of Georgia, yep. you know, kind of short arm waddles around this big round guy. And he was dismissed every place he went from high school to the pros until he's, you know, a pro bowl guy making, you know, one of the highest paid centers in the league. All he does is waddle up there and whip your ass. Um, so you can't, judge a book by its cover. And then there's the other phrases. He looks like Tarzan, Tarzan plays like Jane. Those are the guys that really look it. And then they're soft or, you know, stiff, but um, yeah. yeah, the look test is, is the first of the tests, you know, mm -hmm. the get off the bus guys. And most of the time they're legit. You don't look like that without being athletic no. for the most part. And jelly, let me, let me take a shot at this one first. Cause I'll go quick, Nick. Cause I don't, I don't go that far back. I don't remember Pat Holmes coming out. Uh, Patrick Mahomes coming out. Watch a little bit of Trey Lance. Definitely raw. Deshaun was easily the most uh, pro ready of these yeah. guys. Deshaun Watson was was ready. 
his uh his his he was closer to Trevor Lawrence with a little bit less arm as far as the smarts, the football skills, all of it. That's what made Deshaun Watson such a good prospect were all the intangibles. So Deshaun was easily the best of this bunch. Uh, I don't know Josh Allen. Malik Willis and Trey Lance are probably fairly similar. I think Trey's got a little bit more arm. And I didn't I didn't watch Josh Allen at all when he was coming out. I would go Deshaun, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Malik Willis, Trey Lance. And the thing with Trey Lance that makes it hard is that we are judging him off of his one year of tape at age 18, two years yeah, prior two to years him ago. coming out. Yes, exactly. Um, and he was coming from a defensive back. You know, like he was a lot of teams, Minnesota, those gophers, fools. Um, he wanted to go to Minnesota. And they're like, ah, you're not a quarterback. You're going to play defensive back. Does that sound familiar, Scott, uh, for Auburn there? But uh, that's well, uh, that's they didn't they didn't do that with uh, <clears throat> with Malik Willis. Excuse me. Virginia Tech did. Um, yeah. G- Gus Malzahn made him a, uh, a quarterback. They offered him a quarterback. And I, I said Malik Willis. When I went and watched him play, it was the first game I went to watch when I moved back to Georgia in 2016. Went over to Roswell and watched him play. I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, Virginia Tech wants him. You know, I'm kind of tweeting about it. And someone responds, yeah, they want him as a DB. I'm like, well, they're not going to get him then because someone's mm-hmm. going to tell him quarterback. And they're right. This kid's a quarterback. Yep. We got Lawrence coming in here with one of our last ones. We're going to be hitting that horn here soon, guys, to get on out of here because we're approaching an hour. So if you got anything, hit us up. Uh, Lawrence Rivera, who are the Broncos eyeing next year at quarterback that would let them keep Drew for one more year? I think Drew's a super viable option next season, and I hope they do keep him next season because he is talented and he's still young and he's cost-controlled. He's cheap, um, even if it is just for one more year. Uh, 50 quarterbacks this year took over 100 uh, pass attempts. You need you don't want to go into next year with Jeff Driscoll as your backup quarterback, because that is the difference between very likely difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. So I would love to keep Drew Lock next year. And if he goes out there and earns a shot, that would be incredible. I am pulling for him because he does seem like a good guy. Even if some of the reports coming out of Denver, <laughs> this is classic PR stuff, right? Like, Oh, we're looking to move on from him. Here's the, the slight bad mouthing on the way, uh, changing, changing in the guard. It's just consider the cl- source classic, always classic. This is what teams do. Always consider. Um, I, I said that in the background last year. Yeah. Um, like, you know, some of this stuff, that was being said poorly about him were coming from people who were trying to justify their decision to keep him out of the game. hundred percent. You know, so always, always consider the source, take it with a grain of salt. I judge Drew on what I've seen on the field, Mm -hmm. which has been subpar. It it hasn't been good enough, but as far as who are the Broncos eyeing next year at quarterback that would let keep Drew more year, all of them, Mm -hmm. all of them. Well, not so unless you're getting us, unless you're free agency or trade and bringing in a veteran, anybody you draft, you want Drew here next year. I, I believe that. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. So any of them, any of the guys that you, if you go quarterback in the draft, you're going drafted quarterback and Drew Locke, unless Drew Locke says, you know, I, I want to move or unless there's problems we don't know about. But as far as purely football, a drafted quarterback keeps Drew Locke here one more year. Yep, 100% I agree with you. Locke is still a viable option next year and it would be, it would be somewhat disappointing, but also fun if he ended up being the starting guy. It would depend on what the path looks like um, for him to get there because maybe he, maybe it clicks for him. I mean, there's a reason I like Drew Locke coming out in that 2019 draft in that end of round one range uh, because he had the athleticism, the arm talent. And if you clicked, he could be a very good starting quarterback. Hasn't clicked yet. Doesn't mean it won't for his career. Um, I think, though, that he has had three years and it hasn't shown it yet. So you definitely shouldn't be going all in on him. You need to be bringing in upgrades and whatnot uh, to attack the position, but he's still here. He's still cost controlled. He's looked like at worst, a viable um, 
borderline starter type, which if you can have two of those guys, like I said, with the injuries, the extra game this season with more running backs or more quarterbacks running the football than ever taking uh, those kind of hits that matters. Um, So it would be interesting to see what he looks like next year and what his role will be just reading between the lines and talking about people connected to the organization. And also the, the stuff about Drew Lock, you know, zoning out uh, after he lost the starting gig, that's coming not from coaches. That's coming from front office people uh, just because it's coming out of the senior bowl after we've had a big coaching exodus. So don't, don't scream at Pat Shermer. It's not coming from Shermer's camp. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but uh, it would be great if it clicked for Drew and I'm hoping nothing but the, for the best for him. I think most likely his career path at this point looks like a uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I think that's probably the most likely outcome, but we'll see. Right. Um, the future he'd is unknown. Stay, he'd have to take a step up to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes. You I, know, I mean, it, the most like Colin, right Colin now, based on a one-to-one, you know, 21 starts, yeah. a six and something record, seven out of eight losses, a one-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. His career path is career backup right now. That's his trajectory. Yeah. Can he change it this year? I hope so. I do. Yeah. I do. I hope so. Colin um, and Jeremy were making me feel bad that I was just picking on Drew. So I, I want to add a little bit of nuance to the conversation. No, but like I said, I'm, I'm going with what I've seen on the field and what he yeah. has produced thus far. The, the, you know, everybody's got challenges. Everybody's yeah. got extenuating circumstances. Hasn't been good enough. Yep. Now it's Period. up to him with a fresh start to do better, to do yep. better. And and uh, I hope for, for everybody's sake that he does. And Shane basically comes in and, and kind of echoed the point we were making about the, uh, the quarterback, you know, who can keep Drew one more year. So basically, unless you get a veteran, you want Drew around another year. Absolutely. You absolutely want him around another year. Um, he wouldn't be the worst guy in the world, for sure. So, and if you look at the free agent quarterbacks that are available, meh. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I want to spend the money on a guy that keeps me at 7 and 11, mm-hmm. you know, 8 and 9, um, like that, where I might be able to do that or better with somebody I already have and keep the money and invest it in other places. So appreciate the, appreciate the stars. And then uh, Jacob coming in with the big stars. Those are the ones I give in the background. Jacob, appreciate you coming in here. Uh, The way you've been doing. Yeah. Cheers to you, my friend. So thank you so much. Um, Big stars from Jacob Foster. So scroll up about five minutes ago, about 1033 and uh, give Jacob a like, I'm just about to give one too. give Jacob a like, appreciate that Jacob. And then Master. Lawrence, real quick, coming back in, saying, we talked about the hardest, quickest cornerback coming out in the draft. Um, I don't know those guys yet. Uh, until we get pro days and combines, we're not quite sure. I know you mentioned Woolen as one of those guys, Nick. But, He's not the um, quickest, though. You know, until we get the pro, the combine, I hope, they're, I, I hope they all show up at the combine this year where it's a controlled environment. Um, mm-hmm. And in that case, don't look necessarily at the raw numbers, but compare them. You know, yeah. compare them. I, I when I used to run events, you know, the, the first thing that would come out of kids' mouths was, but I usually run uh I'm like, I don't care what you run. See that kid over there? I got five stars next to his name. I know he's fast. I might have measured it at 43 yards just to mess with your minds. And the fastest time here is a four eight. I know yeah. that guy's fast. If you're anywhere near four eight, you're fast. So you use it as a benchmark when you've got a controlled environment. When they're all different, you know, I've been to pro days where they're running guys on tracks. I've been to pro days where they're running guys on new field turf, wet grass. Uh, you know, you get the guys in their track spikes and underwear out there and they're running, you know, two tenths of a second faster than anybody else. You got to know that, you know, yeah. you've got to be able to know that for sure. And I wanted to get to this real quick from Jonathan Contreras. That's a name I don't recognize, but appreciate you joining us this morning. Um, Watson, Wilson, Rogers, or Locke. 
Uh, no cousins, please. He's overpaid. Uh, you'd only take on 35 million if you took him only, uh, but not 45. So that's 10 million that you had a little bit of flexibility on. Uh, I think cousins is off the market now though. Uh, Kevin O'Connell worked with cousins in Washington football team. From what I've heard, he's excited about the possibility of working with cousins. Cause he feels like he actually has a good quarterback walking into a situation where he can run his offense and implement his scheme because cousins is a good quarterback. Um, he's a top 12 top eight to 12 quarterback any given year, especially the last three seasons. If you put his numbers up next to anybody, he's, he's up there. He's been consistently pretty good. Um, so um, not great. That's the issue. And, That's the kicker, but and good. remember you don't necessarily have to pay him. Yep. You know, so if he's overpaid, that might not be your concern. Teddy Bridgewater was overpaid. Yeah. Not by you. He wasn't, you dropped four, what? 4 million on him. 5 million, 4.5 4. right there. Yeah. Right in the middle. 4 million. Yep. That's that's not overpaid. He was overpaid yeah. by the Panthers. Yep. So, you know, if, if you say uh, Cousins coming in and we're going to take on half his, we're, gonna, we're only going to pay him 15, but we're going to kick you a third round pick. You know, again, if, if I'm Minnesota, I'm looking to move him. I've said you can either you can either trade the salary or you can get a, a nice pick for him. I don't think they're going to be able to get both. I'm not going to yeah. send you a first round pick and $30 million of his contract. Um, yep. So, Yes, but Watson, Wilson, Rogers, or Locke, no cousins, please. Uh, again, what's what's the cost there? Because yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to take I – don't, I don't want Rogers, Wilson, those are the only ones that when you start saying 30s, those are the only ones I'm interested in. Moron with the big sticker, the super sticker. Go. Appreciate you, Moron. And then Jacob Foster, let me come down here a little bit. He, he's double dipping. You can come in once with big stars. He came in twice with big stars. So double stars. Appreciate you, Jacob, for sure. And as far as the hardest, quickest corner um, that uh, we have the question from, I think it was Lawrence. It's a family show, remember? Okay. Yes, yes absolutely. Okay. Um, my vote would be Marcus Jones uh, from the University of uh, Houston. He transferred from, uh, God, I want to say Troy. He is only 5'8". Um, so he is small. He's going to be limited to the slot. But he is a athlete, man. He is a probably going to be one of the better returners in this class. Um, he is very twitched up, uh, coming downhill, aggressive, fast. Um, I wish he was longer than he was. And I think he's going to be purely limited to the slot and special teams. Maybe it's a guy you take in the very, uh, end of round three range. I think, uh, Dane Brugler had him going the end of round two. That's a little bit rich for me, given how small he is and his role will probably be limited, but hardest, quickest corner, uh, Marcus Jones, university of Houston, check him out. His, uh, his return tapes are pretty fun too. He's, he's a fun player. Uh, Jake Gerard coming in 199. Do you guys think the Broncos will draft another running back? It completely depends on how the board falls. If they like a guy for sure, if they take one in the first 75 picks, I'm going to be beside myself um, because they already, I already had to bite my tongue last year, trading up into the second round for Javon Williams, who I like. I think that's actually not a bad process overall, but not my favorite move in the world. If you think you had to get him there, that's fine. Um, it kind of kills me that uh, Javon Holland, who might've been, one of the best defensive players in the entire draft last year went one pick after the Broncos took Javante Williams. I believe I digress. Um, but, uh, definitely possible. I'm hoping more so day three. Um, if you are going to take one, but we'll see, it depends on if they love a guy that pick didn't hurt you as much as it hurt the team you traded with. Yeah. I'll tell yeah. you that much because, uh, yeah. you, you trade it down with the Atlanta Falcons and the Falcons needed a safety and they took one with their next pick. And the next pick after that, that they, they gave up the next one was Javon Holland who, they needed Javon Holland. Richie Grant might be somebody, but uh, Javon Holland is. Yeah, but I count awesome. nine, nine times. I count nine picks. Wouldn't surprise me a bit if you keep all of those picks, if one of those is a running back. It's just, yeah. you know, I get down into the 
fourth, fifth round, two fifth round picks. And I see, yeah, I like this guy, you know, best player available again. Uh, I would be very interested in, in maybe getting a running back there. So um, with that one, Nick, Jake, I think you're going to close us out of here. If you want to uh, say goodbye, we're at an hour 10. Uh, just saw Herb come in and um, let's do Herb real appreciate quick. You, appreciate you coming yeah. in, Herb. Um, we're usually on just, and we've been on an hour and 10 minutes. So we're, we're missing you, missing you late. And uh, maybe we'll be able to get a little bit to you next time. I know my throat's starting to give out too. So appreciate you being here. And the closer. That's closing us out. Chelsea pulled one out, Scott, the closer. I didn't miss the Club World Cup game, did I? I hope I didn't. Uh, I've been a little busy. So (laughs) they're playing Club World Cup. We'll catch up on that one uh, for sure. For sure. Um, Real quick, I want to get to Herb, just real quick. Um, Okay. Going over and over again, That's. I think he's talking about the quarterback position, but couldn't Mm -hmm. you say that – Peyton Manning was left over from the Colts. I mean, this is, it's always, it's the individual, every single situation. You have to look at it as its own validity. I mean, Broncos are bringing in some guys who no matter what, like signing free agents, wouldn't you consider that a leftover as well? You know, you can't just have a club purely on drafted players. So uh, ideally you find yourself your own Patrick Mahomes. You find yourself your own Justin Herbert and you have a quarterback for 15 plus years, but that is such a long scope perspective. That's, teams just can't have you know the decision makers can't be thinking 15 years they need to be thinking three years because if they're thinking 15 years instead of three years they're not going to be here beyond three years uh so they need to get it going in the right direction and if you can bring in aaron Rodgers, i don't give a bleep if he's leftovers you give yourself a window um so upgrade yeah, the position uh, at all costs to, to herb's point here is you know the, the leftovers is one thing yeah. you know i don't want to go after somebody i don't want to go after a quarterback that somebody else didn't want mm-hmm you know, to me, that's leftovers. I don't want the Panthers didn't want Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. You know, that's why you got him for a quarter of his salary. I don't, I don't want to go that direction. I, I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, so the same thing over and over again is, you know, one of my favorite quotes I like to use when people start talking about this is from uh, the movie Inception and Tom Hardy. I love Tom Hardy. If we want to yeah. talk about man crushes, it's when they're, you know, he whips out the rocket launcher and he's like, you know, don't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. You know, so the, the thing is, is here is, is, is go after the guy, you know, mm-hmm. you're not if Aaron Rodgers is a back-to-back MVP. That ain't a leftover dude. No, you know, that, that ain't leftovers. I don't think that's what Herb means. Yeah. Um, and the one thing I will say just to her, I know we're getting long. Uh, just, this is the last <laughs> bit. Um, I've said it on the show before, but the one thing worse than not getting your guy this year is making a big investment on the wrong guy. Um, and we can see that right now, two teams that have, a lot of good pieces on there, but really just kind of a God, I don't know, a leaf in the wind uh, when it comes to the quarterback position this year is the Carolina Panthers and the, especially the Indianapolis Colts um, Carolina Panthers spent big money on Teddy Bridgewater. Oh no, no, no. We don't want him. We're going to pay you to take him essentially. And then we're going to trade three top 100 picks for Sam Darnold. Well, that's the Panthers only top 100 pick this year is that six overall pick. They need to improve the roster overall, but all they have is the six overall pick. Um, and they don't have the viability to uh, add the other pieces, the Colts, that's a great roster. And they made a big investment in Carson Wentz. Well, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, let's go get him. You don't have your first round pick because you just blew your load on Carson Wentz. Um, so sorry to get a, not uh, maybe PG 13 on that one, but <laughs> the worst thing you can do there is finding your guys, obviously the cash. best case scenario. Yes. Finding your guys, best case scenario. Duh. Um, but I'd rather them, get a leftover if it's just kind of a one-year bridge then being like oh well we don't really have an option so let's trade up to six overall and take Kenny Pickett because we don't know what else to do we haven't made a big investment yet 
don't make a big investment just to make a big investment that otherwise you're losing the thing that gives you the best uh, best thing going forward, which is the flexibility, a lot of cap room, a lot of draft capital. You actually have a seat at the table for these quarterbacks. But once you make your payment, poof, there goes that flexibility. Those that there goes that capital better get it right when you do it. Better yeah. get it right. And Nick, the one thing I see that's a fallacy to me about this quarterback discussion and how to build is, is the assumption yeah. from people that are anti Aaron Rodgers is just that you can just go draft your franchise guy, man. It ain't that easy. No. You know, there there's no, and, and if you miss on miss on a guy next year or the year after that, you're, you're bad for two or three years anyway. And you're right back in the same boat. So you know, I mean, if you're playing on a on a on a Madden, if you're playing on a PlayStation or something, maybe you want to tank 2022. Then I'll get my quarterback. You got a much better chance with those guys. But again, the the well, we should just draft one, and it, it ain't that easy. <laughs> it's just not. You got to have one available to you. You you know, at your spot, there's got to be basically there's got to be one available that also then pans out. Mm-hmm. That's not easy. There's nope. no guarantee there for sure. And that's one reason my philosophy on it is uh, swing repeatedly. If you have those picks, like if I was the Eagles this year, I would take a quarterback with one of those first round picks regardless because Jalen Hurts is fine, you know, whatever. But um, the payoff for that quarterback position, especially when you have three other first round picks to fill out the roster is way more. And you keep in the position young, you're keeping it cost controlled. And let's say you draft Malik Willis at 15 there and uh, Jalen Hurts is a starter next year, he's fine. You flip Jalen Hurts for a two and a three, and you're right back in it with the extra capital and then rolling with a cost-controlled quarterback again before you have to pay Hurts. Brilliant. I think that's that's a strategy. It's the shotgun approach at the quarterback. I'm in. Anyway, uh, speaking of shotguns, I don't I don't want Scott to get anything loaded back there because we're running so long, and he's getting a little tired you of us You know, I do live in the South. I know, know so. right? <laughs> What's the way back to town? <laughs> it's the way you came from. Oh my God. Let's get on out of here. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, obviously a lot of fun. Um, you guys can follow Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. I'm at Nick Kennel MHH. Also follow us at huddle up pod and at mile high huddle. If you guys are joining us on Facebook today, thank you everybody who joined us today with uh, the stars over on Facebook. Uh, we appreciate you. Or even just swinging by, leaving a comment, watching us. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you're going to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle as well as facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. Dylan Von Ark's coming in saying great conversation as always, everybody make sure you guys hit that like button on the way out. A little bit goes a long way. This and is easy. We're Dylan. Like, it's a huge help having you here, Dylan. We really appreciate yeah. it. hundred percent. And like we are inverse on the screen. Um, but uh, I think I'm pointing straight above there. Make sure you hit the like buttons on my side. My side, it says 36. I know we have more than that. Cause it doesn't always filter in. I think the Facebook ones, but no, the, those are Facebook likes. Those These are, are Facebook, Facebook likes. likes, but it doesn't show us or the YouTube likes. Okay. Well, if you can, please, you know, heart react. I always love the random ones too, like the cry react, the care react, whatever. Like, give it to me. I'll take all the interaction I can. Um, please help me. I'm lonely. Uh, and also make sure you guys are joining us at uh, iTunes. I asked it for my birthday. I have not checked it yet. I'm actually going to check as soon as we're done with the show. Head to iTunes, though. Leave us a five-star rating and a comment Wyatt on there. with one of those. Wyatt, thanks for the mm-hmm. iTunes review. I saw that one come through, so I'm pretty sure that was you. Wyatt, appreciate the, uh, the, 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 the review. He did it for all the Hawkeye merchandise I wear on here. It's I'm subliminal messaging here. Oh, everybody, ooh, follow us. Um, but uh, subscribe, like, and share to our channel on YouTube at Mile High Huddle, as well as Scott's channel, which is there. It is um at YouTube.com forward slash c forward slash Scott Kennedy. We will be live on Scott's channel tomorrow. Um, that's more of Scott's uh, calling the shots there. So uh, 
maybe he'll say what we're going to we'll talk, talk about. We'll talk thinking. a lot of draft. We'll hit senior bowl on there. Um, the, the senior bowl risers that we did Friday morning is actually still gaining views. And I've watched so much more senior bowl since then, Nick, I feel like, remember I said my, my first day, I feel like, I don't know what to talk about. Now I feel like a senior bowl expert. I've, I've watched all the video two or three times. Now I know these guys pretty, pretty darn well for the most part. So we'll, we'll talk a lot of draft uh, on my channel tomorrow morning at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. Awesome. Well, guys, you're awesome. Um, had a lot of fun today talking with all you. We'll see you on Scott's channel tomorrow. I'll see you guys tonight for building the Broncos with uh, Carl. Uh, until then, you guys stay safe. Have a great one. Choose kindness. Go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.